0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Friday, November 18th, 2022 reading of the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. On today's program, four tips to help you de-stress this holiday season from Johns Hopkins Health and mindfulness worked as well as drugs for anxiety from the Associated Press plus expert tips for curbing bad breath from the New York Times and more time permitting here's our first report four mindful tips to de-stress this holiday season from Johns Hopkins Medicine not feeling especially cheery this time of year you're not alone Many find that the holidays bring as much stress as they do joy. But there are ways to ease through the season. To help make the most of your festivities, netta Gould, Ph.D., clinical psychologist and director of the Johns Hopkins Mindfulness Program at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine shares some mindful tips. What is mindfulness? Mindfulness is bringing your attention to the present moment with an element of non-judgment and acceptance. It is noticing when we get caught up in thoughts about the past or the future and returning our attention to the present, the only reality, explains Gould. While mindfulness can be a formal meditation practice, there are also informal ways to practice this skill. This can give us perspective and decrease stress. Gould shares four ways to make your holidays brighter. Number one, accept imperfection. Can good be good enough? As we gear up for the holidays, we often set the bar impossibly high for ourselves and then feel upset when our celebrations don't live up to expectations, says Gould. Before you start preparing, acknowledge that things may not go exactly as planned. It's okay if it's not perfect. Imperfection is healthy and normal. For some of us, it might just take a little practice, reminds Gould. Number two, don't lose sight of what really counts. With long lines and nasty traffic, the holidays can get hectic. When overwhelmed by the hustle and bustle, ask yourself, where does this fit in the grand scheme of things? If you're frustrated by the long grocery line you're standing in, remember that it's just a long grocery line, nothing more. Don't let it spoil your afternoon. Can I use this moment of frustration as an opportunity to reflect? While the cashier rings up the customers ahead of you, Take inventory of the good things that have happened today or the things you're grateful for. Even if this moment seems stressful, can I find a way to make it pleasant? Connect with someone else in line with a compliment or kind gesture, or notice what's around you with fresh eyes and an open mind. Number three, respond with kindness. You can't change how others act during the stresses of the holiday season, but you can change how you respond to situations whenever I encounter a difficult person I tell myself this person is suffering and that's why they're acting this way it softens my frustration helps me be more compassionate and reminds me that it's not personal says Gould keep in mind that the holidays are especially difficult for those who are alone see if you can extend an act of kindness to those you know are without family and friends during this time of year If things do get tense with someone, take a few deep breaths. Those few breaths can shift things and give you new perspective, says Gould. Number four rethink your resolutions. Typical New Year's resolutions set you up for failure, warns Gould. If you want to better yourself in the New Year, follow these tips for success. Start small. Break your goal into tinier steps over the course of the year. If weight loss is your goal, it doesn't have to be drastic. Try to eat more veggies during your first month and gradually cut back on sweets throughout the next, suggests Gould. Be kind to yourself. If you didn't achieve last year's resolution or stray from the path this time around, let it go. We often contrive these stories, I'm never going to quit smoking, that only add to our distress, says Gould. With practice, we can notice this self-critic Let go of that negativity and pick our goals back up without the guilt or shame. Up next, Mindfulness Worked as Well for Anxiety as Drug in Study by Lindsay Tanner from the Associated Press. Mindfulness meditation worked as well as a standard drug for treating anxiety in the first head-to-head comparison. The study tested a widely used mindfulness program that includes two and a half hours of classes weekly and 45 minutes of daily practice at home. Participants were randomly assigned to the program or daily use of a generic drug sold under the brand name Lexapro for depression and anxiety. After two months, anxiety, as measured on a severity scale, declined by about 30% in both groups and continued to decrease during the following four months. Study results published in the journal JAMA Psychiatry are timely. In September, an influential U.S. Health Task Force recommended routine anxiety screening for adults and numerous reports suggest global anxiety rates have increased recently related to worries over the pandemic, political and racial unrest, climate change, and financial uncertainties. Anxiety disorders include social anxiety, generalized anxiety, and panic attacks. Affected people are troubled by persistent and intrusive worries that interfere with their lives and relationships. In the U.S., anxiety disorders affect 40 percent of U.S. women at some point in their lives and more than one in four men, according to data cited in U.S. Preventive Services Task Force Screening Recommendations. Mindfulness is a form of meditation that emphasizes focusing only on what's happening at the moment and dismissing intrusive thoughts. Sessions often start with breathing exercises. Next might be body scans, thinking about each body part systematically, head to toe. When worried thoughts intrude, participants learn to briefly acknowledge them, but then dismiss them. Instead of ruminating over the troubling thought, You say, I'm having this thought, let that go for now," said lead author Elizabeth Hodge, director of Georgetown University's Anxiety Disorders Research Program. With practice, it changes the relationship people have with their own thoughts when not meditating, she says. Previous studies have shown mindfulness works better than no treatment or at least as well as education or more formal behavior therapy in reducing anxiety, depression, and other mental woes. But this is the first study to test it against a psychiatric drug, Hoj said, and the results could make insurers more likely to cover costs, which can run 300 to $500 for an eight-week session. The results were based on about 200 adults who completed the six-month study at medical centers in Washington, Boston, and New York. Researchers used a psychiatric scale of one to seven, with the top number reflecting severe anxiety. The average score was about 4.5 for participants before starting treatment. It dropped to about three after two months, then dipped slightly in both groups at three months and six months. Hooch said the change was clinically meaningful, resulting in noticeable improvement in symptoms. Ten patients on the drug dropped out because of troublesome side effects possibly related to treatment, which included insomnia, nausea, and fatigue. There were no dropouts for that reason in the mindfulness group, although 13 patients reported increased anxiety. The study is reaffirming about how useful mindfulness can be when practiced effectively, said psychologist Sheehan Fisher, an associate professor at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine, who was not involved in the study. Dr. Scott Krakauer, a psychiatrist at Zucker Hillside Hospital in New York, said mindfulness treatments often work best for mildly anxious patients. He prescribes them with medication for patients with more severe anxiety. He noted that many people feel they don't have time for mindfulness meditation, especially in-person sessions like those studied. Whether similar results would be found with online training or phone apps is unknown, said Krakauer, who also had no role in the study. Olga Canestraro, a freelance writer in Keene, New Hampshire, participated in an earlier mindfulness study led by Hoj, and says it taught her to intervene in my own state of mind. During a session, just acknowledging that she was feeling tension anywhere in her body helped calm her, she said. Canestraro, who's 52, has generalized anxiety disorder and has never taken medication for it. She was a single mom working in sales during that earlier study, circumstances that made life particularly stressful she said she has since married switched jobs and feels less anxious though still uses mindfulness techniques up next expert tips for curbing bad breath by Melinda Wenner Moyer from the New York Times garlic and onions are two of my favorite foods I have been known to eat roasted garlic cloves like candy So it's no surprise that I often find myself surreptitiously smelling my breath and wincing. Studies on the prevalence of bad breath are hard to come by, but research has estimated that up to half of all Americans have been concerned by the smell of their breath over the course of their lives. The other half clearly lack self-awareness. The bad news is that smelly breath can have many causes, some more serious than others. The good news is that there are a handful of ways to address it, depending on the underlying cause. I spoke to two restorative dentists who have studied bad breath, an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and a periodontist, to get their suggestions. Determine if your breath is that bad. One key problem with bad breath is that you can't always tell when you have it, even though everyone around you probably can. A popular and useful litmus test is to cup your hands over your nose and mouth, exhale, and then inhale, said Dr. Mark Wolf, a restorative dentist at Penn Dental Medicine. Another method is to lick, yes, lick, the back of your hand a few times, wait a minute for the water to evaporate so that the odor molecules concentrate, then give the back of your hand a good sniff. If what you smell makes you want to keel over, You may want to do something about your breath, Dr. Wolf said. That said, we are not always the best judges of our mouth odors, said Dr. Antonio Moretti, a periodontist at the University of North Carolina Adams School of Dentistry. Sometimes people think they have bad breath when they don't. So he suggested asking a brave friend or loved one to do a breath check for you instead. Consider what you eat. Onions and garlic are common bad breath culprits because of their strong aromas, but other foods can lead to stinky breath too. For instance, foods and drinks that can cause gastrointestinal reflux, such as alcohol, coffee, tomatoes, citrus fruits, and onions can incite bad breath because they can cause you to burp up or even regurgitate small amounts of food, said Dr. Landon Dyka, an ear, nose, and throat doctor at Northwestern Medicine. Get rid of smelly mouth bacteria. Bacteria in the mouth are another common cause of bad breath. These bacteria release what are called volatile sulfur compounds, which smell like rotten eggs, smelly toes, Dr. Wolf said. Brushing your teeth twice a day and flossing once a day can help eliminate these germs, as well as the food particles that might be stuck in and around your teeth. Bacteria can also thrive if you have dry mouth, a condition caused by dehydration, diseases such as Sjogren's syndrome, and diabetes, and as a medication side effect. Saliva helps to kill bacteria as well as to break down food particles and coax us to swallow them so when we don't have enough, germs can thrive, Dr. Dica said. Staying hydrated can therefore prevent bad breath, as can rinsing with a mouthwash that treats dry mouth, he said. Other kinds of mouthwashes can help with bad breath, too, but some work better than others. Dr. Violet Harasthi, a restorative dentist at the University at Buffalo, recommended against rinses that contain alcohol because they dry the patient's mouth out and it's a vicious cycle. Once the alcohol dries it out, the bad breath comes back even worse, she explained. She recommended alcohol-free rinses that contain antibacterial ingredients such as CPC chloride. Gum disease can be another bad breath culprit. If your gums frequently bleed, you see pockets around your gums or your teeth feel loose, you should see a dentist to determine if you have diseased gums, Dr. Moretti said. Gum disease can cause bad breath because bacteria get stuck in little pockets around the gums, making a real stinkathon, Dr. Wolf said. Don't forget your tongue, tonsils, and the rest of your body. Odor causing bacteria don't just grow around the teeth and gums, they can also grow in little crevices on your tongue. If your tongue has a white or yellowish tinge to it, it likely harbors stinky bacteria, Dr. Moretti said. You may want to brush your tongue gently with your toothbrush or a tongue scraper after you brush your teeth to remove them, he suggested. Research has shown that tongue brushing plus regular brushing improves bad breath more than just tongue brushing alone. Tonsils are another little-known cause of bad breath, Dr. Dica said. Tonsils have crevices that harbor bacteria. Sometimes the bacteria can mix with food debris and harden and become what are called tonsil stones, which look like little white bumps. You can't prevent tonsil stones, Dr. Dica said, but you can eliminate them by gently poking your tonsil with a blunt object or clean finger, by gargling with salt water, or by rinsing them with a water flosser. In rare cases, bad breath can be caused by other kinds of illnesses or infections, like tonsillitis, sinus or lung infections, liver cirrhosis, kidney diseases, pharyngitis, or even mouth or neck cancer, Dr. Moretti said. If your bad breath doesn't improve with other remedies, consider seeing your primary care physician or an ear, nose, and throat doctor to rule out other causes, Dr. Dyka suggested. I had no idea that bad breath was such a complex phenomenon. I may not be willing to give up garlic, apologies to my husband, but I'll try to stay hydrated and perhaps invest in a tongue scraper to keep my mouth bacteria under control. Although bad breath can be unpleasant for those on the receiving end, remember that it's common and it's not the end of the world. Up next, medication side effects you shouldn't ignore, reviewed by Melinda Ratlin, D-O-M-S, from WebMD. Number one, anxiety. Substance-induced anxiety is anxiety caused by taking certain medications, sometimes even medications meant to treat anxiety itself. Anxiety can rob you of sleep, affect concentration, cause chest pain, and make it hard to eat. Number two, digestive woes. Some digestive side effects can make it hard to get the right nutrition or can deplete your body of fluids and nutrients. Pay attention to GI problems such as diarrhea, nausea, stomach pain, vomiting, and lack of appetite. Number three, dizziness. Feeling dizzy isn't life-threatening, but it can raise your risk of falls that cause injury to your body. Four, drowsiness. Another cause of falls is feeling sleepy. Drowsiness from medication can make driving dangerous, affect your work performance, and make it hard to do daily tasks. Number five, dry mouth. Saliva is important for oral health, and when a medication dries your mouth out, you raise your chances of getting plaque, tooth decay, and gum disease. You may also deal with mouth sores, yeast infections in the mouth, or thrush, and cracked lips. Number six, hallucinations. Some medications may cause you to see things that aren't there. And the chance of this happening is even higher if you take multiple medications. These visions can be scary and make you act in a dangerous way that harms you or others. Number seven, headache. It's common to deal with head pain when taking medications, but headaches are worth watching. Medication overuse or rebound headaches can happen when you take headache medicine for long periods of time. Number eight, heart problems. Some medications cause faster or skipping heartbeats or heart palpitations. You may also have chest pain. Get chest pain checked out right away because it can have several causes, both heart-related and not. Pill-induced esophagitis or inflammation of the esophagus is a rare cause of acute chest pain. Number 9 Insomnia. When your medications make it hard to sleep Over time, your physical and mental health can decline. Your risk goes up for diabetes, high blood pressure, mood disorders, weight gain, driving accidents, injuries, and falls. Number 10, jaundice. Though it's rare, too much of certain medications can cause hepatitis or inflammation of your liver. In addition to yellowed skin or jaundice, you may notice belly pain, tiredness, and GI problems and you might have a fever. Untreated hepatitis can damage your liver and may even cause the need for a liver transplant, in rare cases. Number 11, rash. About 5 percent to 10 percent of severe drug reactions are allergic reactions. Most commonly, this shows up as a rash or hives on your skin. Serious allergic reactions can make it hard to breathe and be life-threatening. Blisters on your lips mouth eyes and genitals may be a sign of a serious drug reaction called Stevens-Johnson syndrome and toxic epidermal necrolysis. Number 12 ringing ears. Tinnitus is a condition that causes ringing buzzing roaring clicking hissing or humming in your ears. It can have a negative impact on your life making it hard to concentrate affecting your mood and preventing good sleep. Number 13 shortness of breath. Bad reactions to medications can sometimes cause lung diseases such as asthma, bleeding in your air sacs, autoimmune diseases that attack lung cells, and fluid buildup in the lungs. Get medical help right away if you're wheezing, feeling chest pain from breath struggles, or coughing as you try to breathe. Number 14 swelling, and weight gain. If your medication makes your body hold on to fluid, you may notice you have swollen arms and legs. Swelling that comes with shortness of breath, trouble breathing, or chest pain could be a sign of fluid collection in your lungs. Up next, how to salvage a workout after a bad night of sleep, from the New York Times. After a bad night's sleep, nothing feels right. You might wonder what kind of workout you should do, and if it's better to delay it until you're not so groggy. A recent paper from researchers in Australia suggests that exercisers functioning on little sleep can get the most out of a workout by doing it earlier in the day and focusing on strength and endurance rather than complex skills. The type of workout makes a difference. The meta-analysis, which combined data from 77 studies examined the effect of a single night of diminished sleep, meaning fewer than six hours, on strength, endurance, and athletic skill the next day. As with previous studies, the Australian team found that poor sleep blunts most aspects of athletic performance. The scientists found that after poor sleep, complex skills such as hitting a tennis ball declined as much as 23%, while strength and endurance only saw losses of up to 5 and 8 percent. Timing is everything. Researchers found that working out earlier in the day just after waking up helped minimize the effects of sleep loss and the negative effects slowly increased as the day went on. If you have a choice and you are sleep deprived you are probably better off training in the morning, said Shona Halson, a researcher at the Australian Catholic University. The body releases adrenaline in response to morning light, said Dr. Viren Summers, a cardiologist at the Mayo Clinic. And adenosine, a chemical that creates a feeling of sleepiness, tends to be lowest in the body just after waking up. Dr. Halson emphasized that one bad night of sleep doesn't mean you should cancel your workout. If you can't exercise in the morning, perhaps skip the tennis match or pick up basketball game and focus on strength and endurance workouts. Up next, virtual museum visits can boost mood, from Consumer Reports on Health. Older adults who took group museum tours via Zoom felt less isolated and reported better emotional well-being and quality of life, a study found. These visits included a 45-minute live online tour and a 15-minute discussion. Arts-based group activities with a goal, like learning about an artist, are a way to feel more socially connected. And the source is Frontiers in Medicine. Thank you for joining us for the Human Health Program. My name is Emily Crocker. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303 786 7777.